And I think that not to say that you're not a good entrepreneur, you're not meant to be an entrepreneur if you don't like the messy middle, but like you have to be able to handle it and be like excited about it to honestly succeed in business because there's always going to be a mess. Always. You are listening to Messy in the Middle, the show here to help you navigate the messy blend that is life and business today. I'm your host, Haley Johnson, and my guests and I are here to dish out all the hot takes, big wins, and seriously messy moments that come with being an entrepreneur. So grab another cup of coffee, you know you want to, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Messy in the Middle. Joining me this week, we have Lauren from Brand Good Time. Lauren was actually my very first podcast that I pitched to almost a full year ago at this point. And now I'm happy to say that we are friends and we work together on a couple of projects. So I'm so excited to have Lauren here with me today. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. As you were saying that, I was like, yeah, we're friends. We collaborate on projects. But then you also helped me like totally ideate my wedding (laughs) t-shirts. So I just have to throw that out there as like a, like she is very good at all of the things. And so we have a multidimensional working relationship. Yes, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And now we get to be podcasting together. Um, So even though I know you quite well at this point, my listeners do not. So maybe take a minute or so and introduce yourself and tell them what it is you do at Brand Good Time. Oof. Okay. So hi. (laughs) Uh, Oof, because we are currently in a major transition as a business. I'll touch on that briefly, but hi, I'm Lauren. I am the founder, CEO of Brand Good Time, and we are a marketing consultancy, but we also offer a lot of implementation. So kind of our pillars around that are strategy design development. And so we do things in the way of Uh, SEO, web design development, overall marketing strategy, brand messaging. We really offer a lot, but we focus on digital platforms. We work with primarily B2B service-based brands, but we are branching out a lot right now into like B2C retail, which has been super fun. So yeah, um, we founded, I founded this company in August, 2020. Prior to that, I had my own marketing agency. I sold that agency, backing up a little, sold the agency. Um, and then started this business just as an idea to be a one-man shop consultancy and had a kid, decided that like if I want to scale, but also ever take maternity leave again, it was a big aha moment that like I need a team. And I'm really happy to say that we are growing an exciting team. And yeah, it's just been, been a wild ride, a lot of fun. <laughs> but yeah, we work with businesses of all sizes, which is probably the most like rewarding and fulfilling part. And it's just been a very exciting journey. Awesome. It's been really interesting. I think for me, like watching and being like with you in this journey, because I think I like did the same thing. Like I wanted an agency, I built an agency and then I was like, I don't like this. I want to just do it by myself. And then I like pulled back a little bit. And now I'm at a point where I like have enough things in place where I'm like, well, if I wanted to scale up, I could scale up. But do I want to do the whole agency thing again? It was like putting myself through my own messy middle, like prematurely because I wanted to like scale too much too fast. And now I'm like, oh God, do I want to do that again? (laughs) Yeah. And I do have, for anyone listening who might be like, not to lead your podcast here real quick, but for anyone listening who might be like, I don't know what I want to do either. Like I'm in that messy middle. There's this book called The Company of One. 
it's incredible. It really can help you identify like how lean do you want to be? And like what, like really it's the big premise of the book is like, what does success look like for you? Mm-hmm. Does success look like being able for me, being able to take a maternity leave and know my business is still running. Okay. But that to me, then, then you, then you break that down and analyze like, what does your company have to look like to still function? But the idea of company of one is that you don't have to be this massive, massive company. Like I think everyone, when they think of having a business, especially me, when I worked at an agency and then started an agency, I thought, well, if I'm going to be an agency, I, if I don't grow, I'm not successful. If I don't have a massive team and big clients, I'm not successful. But the book kind of teaches you to not look at that and rather look mm-hmm. at like, look inward at like, what do you want and what, what does that mean for you? So that helped me decide. <laughs> awesome. So let's rewind even further and talk a little bit about how did you get started in marketing in the first place and sort of what was your career goal, maybe like growing up or when you were in college that led to whatever happened that led to you making your agency? I feel like I need to go back and write this all down. I actually got, my mom emailed me yesterday, this letter from my grandfather that he wrote in 2008 that I'd never seen before, but he wrote it for me as like a milestone letter, which I think is so freaking cool. I'm going to do that for my kids. But in there, he was like, write things down because you're not going to remember. And this is one of those moments where I'm like, (laughs) this is like a little bit fuzzy to me, but I got started in marketing. So let's see, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actress. I remember that. Okay. So I did like improv school, acting school. Like I was dead set based on all these summer camps every year that like I was going to be an actress. And then come seventh grade, I totally bombed an audition, like (laughs) bombed. And I think that really set the tone for the rest of my life in many ways. Like one, I became like behind the scenes kind of, like I stayed involved in like theater but I was more behind the scenes, set design, like strategy. Cool. We can all see that with Lauren now. <laughs> but at the same time too, I failed that audition because I procrastinated and I didn't mm. study my lines. And I was, I was in seventh grade and like, that's kind of, I feel like seventh grade is such a hard year for all of us, but it's just a big transitionary period. And like school gets a little more serious. And like, I started not doing well in, in the sciences and histories and like excelling and other, like, that's where you, I think that's where you figure out really truly in school, like what you're good at is seventh grade. So, um, (laughs) that was like a big pivot in my youth. Uh, and as I got into high school, middle school and high school, I was really into like newspaper and I discovered, uh, like newspaper at the school, I discovered Adobe InDesign and Mm. Photoshop. And at the time it was like Adobe creative CS2. Now they're, now it's all in the cloud, but for anyone who's ever used the platforms back in like, I don't know, 2007, that's what it was. And, um, Long story short, I won't bore you, but basically by senior year of high school, I was editor in chief of my yearbook. And I just knew that like, I didn't know I wanted to go into entrepreneurialism, entrepreneurialism, entrepreneurial, I can't even talk like that (laughs) path. I didn't know that like, that was the path I was going to take, but I knew like, I think that movie, No Strings Attached had come out and like Justin Timberlake was the creative director of an art, like an art director of a magazine. I was like that, that's what I want to do. Like I want (laughs) to I want to be a director at some place. I don't know if that's an agency, magazine, Mm -hmm. whatever. So about halfway through college, I had an internship and it was with a very small like sports agency. And I learned a lot about marketing there and really, I didn't like the way the man ran his business, but that's where I kind of got a taste of like being an entrepreneur because Mm -hmm. it was so small and like I was like in it. Yeah. And um, that's when I decided, that's when I decided I wanted my own business. I had people asking me to help them with their logo or their SEO. Like that's where I started learning about SEO. 
but I knew that I had to, I had a lot of learning to do before I opened my own business. So while I did establish an LLC at that time, I went and worked for an agency and I spent a couple of years in agency life, agency world before taking the leap and doing my own business. And so that's kind of the journey. I know it's long, but that was it. I think, I think we all have a pretty long journey and it's kind of twisty <laughs> and windy. So I definitely, I can relate to that a lot. This week's episode of Messy in the Middle is sponsored by Thought Leaders Collective. Are you so sick of Facebook groups, totally over Instagram pods, looking for a place to find community and collaboration online without all the spammy sales, bro marketers, and frankly, bullshit that comes with the online space? Then boy, do I have the thing for you. Thought Leaders Collective is for the online service provider who is ready to step into the spotlight and make a name for themselves, but is just plain tired of coming up with fresh new content for every platform every week. You just want to log on, share your genius, and bask in the glow of your newfound visibility. But it can't be that easy, can it? With Thought Leaders Collective, it totally can. Weekly thought leadership prompts delivered straight to your inbox. Co-working sessions so you can carve out the time to actually be visible on LinkedIn, strategic planning to get you laser focused, and a supportive community of other online service providers who just get it. What more could you ask for? I could tell you stories of members like Rachel, who had someone submit an inquiry on her site within hours of posting her first TLC prompt. Or Kira, who said, Haley, this LinkedIn shit is bananas. My visibility and reach are insane. Or Meg, who is a self-described LinkedIn stan, now that TLC is supporting her content and community needs. Or you could go to thepropagy.com slash TLC and use code MESSY at checkout to get your first month free and see for yourself how great TLC and LinkedIn can be. That's thepropagy.com slash TLC with code M-E-S-S-Y at checkout to get your first month free. After that, it's just 27 bucks a month and you can cancel anytime, but I doubt you'll want to. Can't wait to see you on LinkedIn. So you said you first realized you wanted to be an entrepreneur after working at like a smaller agency. So it was a sports agency. Was that like a sports marketing agency or? I don't know anything about um, sports. (laughs) So, okay. So I'll take it a step further. It was an extreme sports agency. So the owner of the agency, like he, you know, when people are like, let me call my agent. Mm Mm-hmm that's what he was. So he was an agent for extreme sports athletes. So Elise Post was one of our clients. She is um, like an internationally ranked BMX athlete. William Truebridge, if you look him up, he is like, he he holds a ton of world records for like deepest free dive, like no, like holding your breath, no fins. Okay. Um, And then there were some MMA fighters he represented that my boss at the time had worked really closely with like Joe Rogan and was like UFC doing like UFC talks and stuff like or whatever he was like hosting yeah what do they call it? Co- sports commentators but anyways he um he did that and so I came in to help essentially with the marketing of the agency like helping mm-hmm. them like he didn't have anyone in marketing he was like let me just get an intern to do that like we all do you know like let me just get an we, intern we love the interns <laughs> man I learned he he did not guy thank god I'm a self-starter because he was basically like I need you to go learn about SEO and then apply it that's mm-hmm. basically was my was my job. So I wrote a lot of blog posts. I ran the social, and then I was towards the end there. I was really helping with like the the athletes and their marketing. So I was going with him to like client dinners and trips mm-hmm. and 
it was, it was really, really, really cool. But yeah, I think just getting a taste of his like growth phase was enough for me to be like, wow, maybe this isn't completely out of reach. You know, I was 20 going on 20. I turned 21 while I was working with him. You know, I was still like, you know, in those er like very early stages of, of a career. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Did you feel like as the marketing person, like you were able to have a lot of freedom and creative control with like making decisions for the marketing? Or was it something where like you were given a lot of responsibility, but then at the end of the day, like the agency still came down to like the boss telling you if you were allowed to post something or not? No, he was very, he was very like hands off, do your own thing. This was like at a time too, where Instagram was starting to be used for business. Mm -hmm very quick, hilarious side comment. This was also when Joe Rogan started his podcast. And so he wanted to start a podcast. So he rented a suite, the, my boss at the time in the, in the place we were in to build out a podcast room. And let me just tell you, we spent six weeks in and out of Best Buy, in and out of Google, me and two other interns on the team, because I'd been promoted at the time. So I was like actually working for the company, trying to figure out how we could have someone phone in to the podcast. Oh my gosh. This was before Zoom. <laughs> so like what we're doing right now, how we freaking click two buttons to get on this, that yeah. did not exist. And like, we couldn't figure it out. Actually, to this day, I think I left the company with before that he was able to figure it out. Oh my gosh. Did he ever start the podcast? He did. And I, I, I remember like he thought we were recording and doing it right. It like was not working. And he spent two hours talking to someone. Oh <laughs> no. Did not record. <gasps> oh my gosh. Anyways, yeah, I don't know what what he ever ended up doing with it. I actually have no idea where he is now and the success of his company. I don't, I have no clue. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, this is like, it's so funny because it's like, I feel like soon we're going to be, our generation is going to be like, well, back in our day, like Instagram was, Instagram didn't have video and and ads weren't a thing and everything was in chronological order. Like, oh my gosh, we're already there. Those were the days though. (laughs) They were. really were. So you realized you wanted to be an entrepreneur, but still knew that you needed to get a lot of learning done before branching out and doing things on your own, Um, which is kind of something that I wish I had done maybe before (laughs) branching out on my own. I wish I learned a little bit more before it was kind of do or die. Um, So what was it like searching for a job, knowing that you weren't planning on really staying with that job for a really long time and then also building your business at the same time what was that like I guess logistically but then also emotionally because I feel like that's probably a pretty taxing process there was a lot of emotions involved in this narcissistically I'm very excited you asked this question because I feel like I don't talk about it enough and (laughs) this is an interesting story so I had left the agency and I was working at another male driven (laughs) Um, business, which is so funny, like in hindsight, and the company was an aftermarket Tesla accessory company. So Tesla had just come out and this company was trying to coin the market, like literally own the marketplace of making aftermarket accessories for Tesla. Because if you've ever been in one, it's very bare bones. So like it's like back in the day, like they didn't have center consoles. Mm -hmm. Like you just, your stuff just kind of floated around there on the floor. It was weird. So this company had engineered like a center console. So I started working for this company. They like poached me based on like my school resumes. Like I was still in school. They poached me from the agency and I started helping them with their like customer service, shipping, and also marketing. While I was there, 
like what like how personal do I get here? Okay, so I was dating a guy who worked at the gym right next door. Okay. And long story short, his best friend's girlfriend worked in HR at a local agency. And that agency was Zimmerman Advertising. If you look them up, they're pretty big. They're one of the Omnicom. Omnicom? Omnicom. See, now I'm confused with COVID. Um, <laughs> I think it's called Omnicom is like the name of the entity that owns like 26 agencies. Okay. So it, this is a big agency. And they did, I mean, they did Jamba Juice, Chuck the Cheese, Papa John's. I worked on Michael's Craft specifically. But anyways. I used to work there. Really? Oh my gosh. I swore I'd never set foot in Michael's again, but after like working on their campaigns, but, um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. So anyways, I, I knew like I wanted to take my business to the next level. Like I, I was kind of doing it on the side while I was working at this Tesla place. Like I started it officially when I left that other job and I was doing freelance stuff. And, um, I, you know, had a, we had dinner with those friends and she gave me her card and she was like, listen, if you ever need something, like if you ever want to like break into it, let me know. And I was like, yes, because I just felt like I didn't know enough. And this was at a time where like the online world didn't exist the way it does now. Like I mm-hmm. could just, uh, there was no really easy way to go buy a course on exactly what I wanted to do. So yeah. people these days, you guys are extremely fortunate because I had to go this route Although I'm not upset at all that I did because just having that hands-on corporate experience, I feel like taught me a lot. So anyways, I keep skipping ahead, but the long and short is that I reached out to her because me and that guy broke up and I was like, I cannot work right next door to this guy. It's killing me. I was young and whatever. So I called her and I was like, what do you got? And she's <laughs> like, we have a paid sir, a uh, paid search paid search and paid social position in the automotive division. And I was like, great. I keep working for all these male driven industries. I might as well keep going. Like they, and, and what's so funny is like their automotive division wasn't even technically a part of the agency. Like it, logistically, like mm-hmm. it wasn't considered Zimmerman. It was considered Z auto. And so, but I was like, it's in the building. Like it is an in <laughs> for me to get into where I really wanted to go, which was the social department. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll interview. She sent me the job description and I was like, I know two things out of the 50. So then I went and bought a paid search book and I read it cover to cover, had my interview. It was like pooping my pants the entire time. And somehow I nailed it. They gave me the job. It was the coolest thing ever because this was like a state-of-the-art agency. So it was super like fancy and Mm -hmm. cool kitchen and coffee machine and Coke machine thing. And um I continued to poop my pants for the first two weeks because I just had no idea what I was doing, but Mm -hmm. I was having to fake it like I did. Um, And I learned a lot. And so in eight months, I worked my way up in the department and then I met someone in social in passing. And I was like, hey, I'm just curious. Are there any openings in social? And so long story short, I moved from this paid search, paid social role straight into social and that's where I really got into analytics and reporting. And like, I, that was really my role on the team with Michaels was to dig into data based on campaigns and write reports and, and look, recommend like optimizations. And to answer your question about like starting my business while I was there, I started dating somebody else. And he was in with um, this boat builder that's here in South Florida. It's still one of my biggest clients to date. And he was like, hey, we're going to go down to the Keys this weekend and see so-and-so. He's like the marketing director at this boat company. They need someone to do their social. They haven't posted on Instagram in six months. Mm-hmm. Okay. To this day, they are my biggest client. That was almost six years ago this October. 
And it started as just Instagram. And now we're helping with like launch campaigns. So like my business, they, they were the thing that started it for me. Mm -hmm. They took me from little projects to like a monthly retainer. And I was doing it on lunch breaks. So I remember taking like calls on my lunch breaks in like the, like a huddle room around the corner. And, um, yeah, eventually I was able to leave that business. I took a part-time job to be able to like do both. Mm -hmm. And then eventually left that part-time job and went full-time in my business. Awesome. So, Um, yeah. (laughs) I like kind of have a similar story except I was never really happy at any of the places that I was working and like could not for the life of me get a full-time job that paid enough money to cover all of my expenses. So I was always like hustling, hustling, hustling. And then I got to a point where I was like, I'm doing double the work at this like full-time role and I'm making less money than I'm making in like my freelance side of things. Like this is stupid. I'm just going to stop working at this place. Yeah. Uh, But they were all like every place. It was like, I'm the only marketing person. No one really like has any trust over the things that I'm doing. And so it was like, I felt like I spent so much time just like wasting time. Yeah. Oh, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. I can't say that I loved any of these places I worked at, but I always looked at them. Like I remember very specifically one of my bosses while I was in Z social quitting to go full-time in her business. And I remember being so like, I'm so many mixed emotions. I was pissed. I was happy. I was like, Mm -hmm. I was like, why can't that be me? And I remember like having a conversation with her and being like, how did you do it? Like, you know, like tell me the secrets. And she's like, until you get the experience and like, you know, just the drive to eventually take the leap. Like, she's like, just look at all, look at a corporate job as paid education. Mm -hmm. You are getting paid to learn a lot and just soak that up and look at it from that perspective. And like, it'll suck a little less. You'll learn a little more and you'll be really grateful that you did before you start your own gig. So I know that there's so many different other ways into entrepreneurialism, but like that path, I think has really set me up. I mean, it's given me like professional skill set. Mm-hmm. It's like taught me how to write an email, how to like fire a client. Like there's just so many, there's so much like etiquette, I think that goes into running a business. A lot of people might disagree with me, like run a business however you want. But mm-hmm. I really attribute my client retention of like three plus years, my biggest clients to, to that, to having that level of professionalism that came with working in a corporate toxic environment. <laughs> So speaking of being in the corporate environment, your business that you started while working in the corporate environment, that isn't the business that you have today. You mentioned on like LinkedIn and stuff and in, I think, some of your uh, newsletters that you sold your book of business and Mm -hmm. then kind of started over. So I guess two questions that I have with that is one, what does it mean to sell your book of business? And Also, like, how did you retain some of your clients through that? And then what made you decide to sell and then essentially start over? Like, why not just close down or take a break or do something else? Yeah, yeah. And this is like a very non-traditional situation that happened to me. So to answer your your main question, like, no, I have a new business today. Um, However, like to start... The LLC, my asset is the mm-hmm. same. Okay. So that asset I started in 2015, I have the longevity of that business to this day. And you're right. I sold my book of business. I didn't sell my business. Mm-hmm. And here's kind of how that worked. I don't know how much I can like really talk about it, but basically I had a client 
it was like April, 2020. So pandemic thick. <laughs> and they were a startup and they had investors come in and the investors approached me and said, listen, we think your book of business would carry our company to get us to the place we need to continue to invest and, and build traction and grow the, it was an app basically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I mean, that's an interesting thought. Here's what I value this to be. And here's the salary I would want to join you. Okay. And they were like, okay, so lump sum and then the start of a salary. But I, like, I still have this, this note on my phone to this day of like all the, the requirements I had to be able to do this, because that's a big thing to ask someone to like hang up their business, literally yeah. and, like, go join you and go all in. Like I was very excited because it was a new opportunity. And like, there were a lot of transitions happening in my personal life at that time. So I was like, this could be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in part of that, the stipulation I had was like, if this company ever folded, not that I don't believe in it. Cause I, I did, I was like, I believe hardly in this. This is a freaking awesome concept. I'm ride or die. Like I can't wait, wear the t-shirt every day. Like love it. But if something ever happened, like I, I want full rights to have my book of business back. Okay. And so a couple weeks into this, maybe one paycheck into this, the investors pulled out. Okay. And I said, great. I want my book of business back. And they were thrilled. Like one of my clients was like, Lauren, I had a therapy session about you, like no longer being my point of contact. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, I'm scared. And I'm like, you don't need to be scared. Like it's okay. But, um, yeah. So I got very fortunate that I like, I actually took a week and like joked about uh, how, about being unemployed. Yeah. (laughs) Like I took a whole week and I was like, I'm unemployed. (laughs) Um, and then I jumped right back in. I, I started rebranding the the asset, if you will. So we mm-hmm. went from LBMG marketing to brand good time. And while a lot has changed since then, because at the time I was like, I want to be a mentor. Like I wanted to enter the online space and like be a mentor and monetize that. I still had my book of business that wasn't that. And yeah, so it took me a while to get back to there again. And so now two, um, yeah, exactly two years later, I'm like kind of back to it's like same, but different the agency mm-hmm. model, like same, but like I, we, we still do so much, but I have two more years of knowledge, two more years of like industry experience and just hands-on exposure to everything. And I'm just so much more immersed because my time is a hundred percent in it. Uh, so it's just like a different, it's totally different. It's yeah. totally different. I think that makes a lot more sense than like what I had initially thought, which was that you were like, I'm hanging it up. I'm done. I'm selling this. And then all of a sudden, like changing your mind and coming back. But it kind of sounds like that startup like was going to swallow you. But before they could, they spit you back out and were like, never mind. You can go do this on your own. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I got really lucky. I, I definitely think like I was really happy that I had that hindsight to like say, okay, Here's, here's what I'm going to require if I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a gut feel. Always go with your gut. <laughs> so through all of this, it kind of sounds like you were able to almost educate yourself out of the beginner stage by starting your business while working corporate and then kind of dive headfirst into the messy middle of running your business. Um where do you feel like you are now? Like, do you feel like you're out the other side or do you think that this upcoming kind of pivot back into being more 
full service agency is sending you like headfirst back into the messy middle. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. I think always in the messy middle. And I'm going to say that for a reason. I went through this program called leadership Fort Lauderdale and they have like, they have them in major cities. It's like a leadership, whatever city, leadership, New York city, mm-hmm. leadership, Philadelphia, whatever. And it's these programs that are typically run by like the chamber of commerce. And, um, it kind of immerses you into learning more about being a leader and your community and all of that. And I definitely went into it. They, they make you take this quiz in the beginning. That's like, what kind of mindset do you have? Do you have a growth mindset or whatever it is, but with the goal of being growth. And I did not have a growth mindset. I had this like know-it-all mindset of like, I know everything. People know less than like, I'm in the 97th percentile of like knowledge, mm-hmm. which is, like horrible. I get stuck there a lot. And I have a hard time sometimes being like, no, like there, there's more to know, uh, which I think I blame the online space for that a little bit because I see so many things that are so redundant. I've had a hard time finding like mentors or coaches that I feel like are further along than me, not just where I am. And so that being said, um, I am saying forever messy middle because I'm trying to harness this growth mindset of like, Lauren, you don't know everything. Two, three weeks ago, I learned about organizational charts. Like, I think I knew about them. Like I knew, but I was like, why would I need that? I, you need that. If you are ever going to not be the sole person in your business, like you need, an, you need an organizational chart. You need to have a vision. You need to have a plan. And so like, I, I'm in the messy middle because I think there's more I don't know that I need to know. But I also think there's more that I don't know of like potential for where I'm going. Mm-hmm. So, and then blend that with your personal life. And like, that is the epic messy middle, you know, like how do you, there is no such thing as balance. So just how do you do everything and still be like mentally stable? So (laughs) it is forever the messy middle. And, um, but I am the type of person that's like so challenged by that. I love it. I love the mess. I make a Google doc or spreadsheet at least once a day to like get my thoughts out on paper or rationalize (laughs) like numbers so this is, that's a place I really, I love to be there. And I, and I think that not to say that you're not a good entrepreneur, you're not meant to be an entrepreneur if you don't like the messy middle, but like you have to be able to handle it and be like excited about it to honestly succeed in business because it's, there's always going to be a mess. Always. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of messes, now that you're scaling your consultancy back into an agency, now that you've discovered the org chart. <laughs> Literally. When you had your agency, you know, the first time around, was it just you or did you have a team behind you? Okay. Yeah. So I had a team. I had an employee who was um, like biz dev. And mm-hmm. so she would focus a lot. Of, she was like biz dev slash account manager. So she'd focus on helping like just kind of translate some projects to the team. But she was also like, like we built a lot of our, we were a digital marketing agency who built our agency by being out in the field. So Mm -hmm. like we were at events, conferences, networking, like we were all over town and we were known as the Lawrence because my, my biz dev person was also named Lauren. (laughs) So it was pretty funny. So you had a team in the past and then you kind of scaled back to become part of someone else's team. And then now you're building up to grow your own team again. Are there any challenges that you are experiencing now related to that like team agency growth that you've already experienced? And are there any like new or unexpected challenges that are popping up now that you maybe weren't as prepared for? Yeah. So before I had a team that 
was like they they knew what they were doing and everyone everyone knew like they, they had a place and they were specifically like on client work. So managing that team looks a lot different now because we're we're so much busier. Mm-hmm. Like the contracted hours are so much higher. And uh what I'm learning from it and what I'm experiencing is in order to like really be where I want to be as a company, which is like where I could leave, I could literally just close my computer for a week and like things would still be fine. Mm-hmm. I have to be able to trust my team. And so my team, my team prior to brand good time at my other business, I had a brief for every project, everything that needed to be done. There was a brief and I told them what to do. Mm-hmm. And after a lot of growth <laughs> mentally and just as like a leader and, you know, as like the mission, vision, values of like our brand is anyone who comes into this company, they have a stake in the game. Mm-hmm. Like I, I never, like, while I like to lead strategy, like I also would love, like, I love showing up to my meetings with my, you know, a contractor or, you know, just someone on my team and listening to them talk to the client about their ideas. Me having not heard them first, mm-hmm. you know, because your client could hear those ideas and really freaking love them more than like the one that you would have ever spit out. So what I'm doing a lot differently now is just really letting my team be creative and like letting them take the reins. Some people don't do well with that. So we're trying, we're figuring that out now, like who within the company, like that we really need the type of person that's, that's an ideas person that comes to the table, excited about it and doesn't feel the pressure to come up with things. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's like that's what we're doing much differently now and it's been it's been extremely liberating and just exciting because it's not this isn't just led by me anymore. It's it's a conglomerate of ideas and that's really what we sell to our clients is like you don't just get one brain. Yeah. You get a whole team and you get people who like get different facets of different industries and and together we come up with a plan that like moves you along. Right. And then for these clients, are you doing like the done for you work for all of them? Or are you doing the done for you work for like your older clients? And then the newer ones are still a little bit more like yeah. direction consultation driven. That's a great question. That's why we operate under the pillars of strategy, design, development. Mm-hmm. You, you can't really come in for design and then development, or you can't just really come in for development. Like all of our clients need to have worked with us in a strategy capacity because mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to implement another agency's strategy. Yeah. If I don't agree, like I'm going to have others, I'm sure there's going to be things like I don't agree with or understand. So for that reason, like the minimum thing that people come in to work with us for would be a strategy of some sort or an audit where we look and like tell you, okay, here's where you could make improvements. Yeah. So the design and development, which would be like implementing or creating that happens with existing clients. Gotcha. So you mentioned before how when you were growing the first iteration of the business, how you were doing mostly in-person marketing. It was like word of mouth, stuff like that. Um, And I think we can both see the irony of being a marketer without a real marketing strategy. And I don't know, like I was definitely guilty about this for until like six months ago. Um, So can you talk a little bit about what your marketing strategy looks like today and what channel or, you know, method helps you get the majority of your clients? That's such a good question. Uh, okay, a little layered, but what we have, I, I think the biggest takeaway from this is we have developed some very strategic industry referral partners. So that could be people in our same industry, so other agency owners. Um, we are also a we're also a show it 
design partner agency. So like we are listed on showit.com as like a preferred partner. We've gone through their courses. We've gone through their robust approval process. It takes a long time. So like we are vetted, vetted experts for show it. So we have a listing on their site. We get about hundred hits a month from them. And we get probably one to two inquiries a week for, for custom show it websites. We are also tonic tonic who build show it website templates. We are an affiliate with them. They also send business our way. And what happens with a lot of that side of things is that people come in and realize we do more than that. And we end mm. up doing some marketing strategy and, and web design. So that's a really big, really big lead source for us. On top of that, I spend a lot of time building up our Instagram. So we get a lot of traction there as well. Just some long-term relationships that have taken us two years to build. Mm. So this, like again, does not happen overnight. Uh, but we also also get a lot of attention on LinkedIn. So I post very strategically to my LinkedIn, a lot of thought leadership content, thanks to you. <laughs> um, and um, so, yeah, I mean, if I'm breaking it out in the funnel, our top of funnel strategies are social, like LinkedIn being up there and our podcast and our podcast also bleeds down into the middle of funnel. So I, I lead a podcast that it's kind of a blend of strategy. So 10, 15 minute episodes, just telling you really like how to do something, but then also just kind of like relatable. Think about it as like, entrepreneurial reality TV kind of episodes too, where I just go and like, I vent or like, like one of the recent episodes I talked about, like brand origin stories that aren't really true. Like, you know, uncovering some big brands that we all know where we think their brand story is this, but like, actually that's not the truth at all. And they just Mm -hmm. wanted to do that for marketing. Like, you know, so that's, I get to, I get to do a lot there and people, our listeners are really into that. And I think that nurtures a lot of them, especially when I drop little nuggets about like how they can work with us. Um, and for my listeners, um, I listen to Lauren's podcast while I go grocery shopping. So it's like she's in the I she's in Whole Foods with me. <laughs> when you said that to me, I died. I was like, I, was like, I feel like I need to write that down. Yeah, and then and then our email list. So our our email list really gets like snippets of the podcast. They get you get like okay, you know, here's what you can expect on this week's episode. Listen here or don't. And then every Friday I send this newsletter called Toastworthy, which really ties in like the fun side of the brand, but also just the relatable side of running a business. And I talk about like, here's all the things that went wrong this week. Like here's a client fail. Here's everything that I broke or spilled. Here's some TikToks that um, when, as I wind down for bed that make me cackle where my husband comes in and is like, what are you laughing about? <laughs> and then I always, always end that in those newsletters with like, okay, now here's the PS line, like read it Monday because it's Friday. Mm-hmm read this Monday and like have that bleed into your week. And really, I would just say like my marketing strategy has been creating a community. Mm-hmm. People, people that I talk to on Instagram, on LinkedIn, through email, all from like content we put out that's, in my opinion, extremely effortless. We don't like, we maybe spend a couple hours a week on marketing and that, that's between me and my entire team. Right. So, you know, again, strategic partnerships do the work for us. Mm-hmm. Having a website that is clear and concise and tells people how they can work with us allows us to get, you know, sales call bookings or inquiries. And yeah, the social just really reinforces everything else. Just being active on platforms is, you know, enough for people to be like, okay, she's in business. Let's work with them. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people can get caught up with if like you have a solid referral network and like you don't necessarily have people checking out your socials or checking out your website as much. It's easy to be like, well, it doesn't matter. Like that's not where my clients come from. But I've definitely noticed that like as I 
become more consistent, even if it's like posting less, if I become more consistent on a platform, then my engagement and like sales down the line wind up becoming more consistent too. Like I, our team, we stopped posting on Instagram back in like June. We like did the nine grid thing and we're like, we're done. No more feed posts. And our Instagram has grown and we've gotten more clients from Instagram in the last two months than ever before. Because we set the expectation and the expectation was like clear and digestible. I need to go look at your Instagram now where I think we're headed that direction too. Like I really like creating real content and having fun there. But like I'm seeing the leaks and where we spend time. Like people watch stories. Like for our Instagram, like we get a lot of engagement on stories. And then again, Mm -hmm. just like showing that you're operational with the nine grid is like, that's what you do. People yeah. find you in other places. So I think that's really awesome. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's fun. And also for our listeners, check out at Propagy on Instagram. <laughs> yes. Um, technically, it's an 18 grid because we've got the nine posts and then like nine podcast episodes. But still, the point is we haven't updated it since June. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So before we wrap up, I want to pivot a little bit into the work that you do for your clients now. Um, You mentioned this already, and it's also no secret if anyone follows you on socials that you're a total data nerd. Um, So when you start with a new client or if you're consulting with someone who is just getting into their analytics and data for the first time, where do you recommend looking to get the most out of your data and start making those informed decisions? Because I think sometimes when we get started, it's like, so overwhelming how much data there is that like you just want to grab onto something and make it work but you don't really know what to grab onto yeah so where you should start is the bottom of the funnel like like what are those efforts and so if I'm giving an example let's just say my website or not my website for me that's like getting a sales call Mm -hmm. or um like a like an inquiry like an email so like it should start where the point of sale is Mm -hmm. okay so what are you, what's your data there? What are your monthly numbers? Break that out. How many phone calls or like, if we're making this very simple, how many quality lead conversations did you have? Discovery calls, how, whatever you call them within your business. Okay. Then how many like touch points did you have? And so if you're not, if you're like hearing this and you're like, I'm not tracking any of that, start right. tracking it. Start tracking. Like I use monday.com and in there, like anytime someone inquires through HoneyBook or I have a conversation, they get added to an inquiry board. And that way I know, like I'm visualizing, okay, these are all the people I'm talking to. And like remembering I have a calendar invite every single week to follow up with those people. Yeah. I need to so, start like, doing that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It makes a big freaking difference um, because someone could be so excited to work with you. And this actually happened to me, literally send you an email and say, I've been wanting to work with you for a year. We talked last year, couldn't afford it. Now I have the money. I'd like to get started. If I didn't have her, like that, I was tracking that conversation, even though I'd already sent the proposal and the mm-hmm. like the agreement and everything, she might have fallen off for another month or two, even though she was so excited. Right. Like I just needed to nudge her because she's busy too. You just never know like what's happening on the other side. But anyways, back to the numbers. Make sure you're tracking like conversations and and all that. Then take it the next step further. So let's just say that most of your inquiries come in through Instagram through the link in your bio. And they're going to your website. Okay, what's the traffic on your website looking like? Where are people spending time? Some of my favorite tools for this are Google Analytics and Hotjar. Hotjar allows you to see like literally heat maps of like where Mm -hmm. people are clicking and like do screen recordings. It's kind of creepy. But it's also where I'd be able to find that like those certain buttons aren't working and stuff like that. So if a website is a point of someone reaching out to you, like optimize the shit out of that. Like you need to. Mm -hmm. 
And for numbers there, look at things like bounce rate and bounce rate means like how many pages are they visiting before they leave your site? So the higher your bounce rate, the less that they're actually taking action. So your site's not engaging if your bounce rate's like, let's say over 60%. You You want it to be lower than that. How many like site visits? Like, are you getting 100, 200, 300 visits? And then what, like, what are the conversions outside of that? So again, that bleeds back down into like conversations. If you have a hundred site visits a month and only one call, that's like a 1% conversion. How can Mm -hmm. you improve that? You improve it by looking and seeing like, where are people clicking off the page? Are like, you know, you're someone who's super into quizzes. That's a great like lead form trying to get someone to take a quiz on your site, like get them to take an action, downloading a guide, taking a quiz, filling out a contact form. Those are the types of like conversions that we want to see that get people to engage more. So looking at that now, you can also look at what are your like main marketing channels. So outside of your website, outside of your opt-ins for me, that would be like my podcast. So how many downloads am I getting? Okay. Well, I'm starting to notice like just when I thought like, maybe I'll just take a break from podcasting for a little bit. We're getting double the downloads on our podcast episodes. Oh, damn. If I had just said like, I don't think the podcast is really doing anything for me. I don't get leads that say I found you through the The podcast is that's not the purpose of my podcast. My podcast is there to be like a reinforcement of everything else I do and like stay top of mind so that when you are ready to hire someone for marketing, you think of me because you're listening to my podcast. Right. Yeah. But you know, that's like podcasting is a long game. So if I just had didn't know my numbers and said, I'm going to chill for a little bit, I would not have known that like our downloads are increasing and like this is content people are interested in. So knowing what episodes are most popular and being able to lean into those types of topics a little bit more, like that's how knowing your metrics informs like where to spend more time in your marketing and where like just where to put where to put your efforts. Yeah. And so your recommendation would be starting at the closest thing to the point of sale and then sort of zooming out until you find or as you find places to optimize and focus on making things better over time. Yeah. Yeah. And also just really think too, like just because, so let's just say my podcast downloads weren't great. Okay. Well, why? Is it because I'm not promoting it enough? Is it because I'm, am I sending emails? Am I, I'm doing emails and social posts. So there are like, there are points of entry there. Like you have to also not only do the act, but drive traffic to the act. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you think I'm going to drop this, it's not doing well, like, oh, my Pinterest isn't doing well. It's not driving traffic to my site. Well, when's the last time you pinned something? Right. Like what yeah. are the platform guidelines for succeeding there? So it sounds like a lot. Um, it's really not. I'm happy to share my metrics tracker, which is like very helpful in this process. Yeah. I love your metrics tracker. So if you have a okay. link to like an opt-in for it or something, I'll happily put that in the show notes. Um, I've started using your metrics tracker for like everything and I'm especially yeah. excited to do it this month because I have participated in a bundle. For those of you who are listening, it's in August. Um, I participated in a bundle and I like tripled my email list. And so I'm so excited to have like good and like fun metrics to play around with through the end of the month, because like, we're also doing a launch and like, there's all this stuff going on. Whereas before it was just like, Oh, the four mostly Thursdays emails got the same amount of interaction. (laughs) Yes. And I also downloaded that, that bundle's amazing. I downloaded some of the, the, the things in that bundle. So the bundle was great. Good. I'm glad that did did well for you. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then my final question is about 
you know, you touched on this, I think a little bit, but what about for smaller businesses who maybe don't have a lot of data to work with? Like maybe their website hits are in like the tens and it's just like this super low, like none of the data feels meaningful because it's all so small. Is it something that you would recommend like just trying to find any change to notice or would you recommend like just trying to increase numbers to try and get some more meaningful data? Like what recommendation would you have for someone with basically no data? Yeah. Data is all based on traffic. So what platforms can you lean into as a brand that are going to maximize your traffic a little bit more? So if you're looking for kind of like Insta traffic, (laughs) my recommendations are LinkedIn. So joining the Thought Leaders Collective, obviously. Uh, (laughs) LinkedIn, (laughs) Pinterest. I mean, if you just put a little bit of effort into Pinterest, it's pretty easy to get traffic from there. PR, getting on people's podcasts. I mean, there are some, there are definitely some like quicker wins to help increase traffic and increasing traffic will increase numbers. Now that's not always like a good thing though. Like I think 10 website visits one month and 15 another, like you can probably get a lot from that. Right. Right. Um, and that's just like, as you're starting your business, like you're, you're just planning your roots. So you can't expect to get a bunch of leaves right away. Yeah. So you're planning your roots. I would just say like, be really strategic about your backlinks, which just means like, what other sites are you featured on? Maybe recommend, um, to a colleague or something like, Hey, can I do a guest blog this month? That'll drive traffic to your site. Hey, can I be on your podcast? That'll mm-hmm. drive traffic to your site. So just get really good at like, honing in on your pitch, perfecting like who you are and what you have to say and what is your message and then start bleeding that out into necessary channels. And and you'll build the foundation from there for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me this morning or this afternoon, whatever time it is. Where can our listeners find you, work with you, learn more about you? Yes. So all of the above. <laughs> uh, this was so much fun. This is like one of the better conversations I've had in a while. This has been so cerebrally stimulating. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I just love chatting with you. It's the best. So as far as where you can find me, Instagram, LinkedIn, my website, my podcast, those are, those are the places I'm all the time checking notifications all the time. Uh, so yeah, that's, and I'll make sure I send me all the links. We'll link them in the show notes. Cool. All right. Thank you so much. And thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks for having me. Hey there. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Or more likely, thanks for leaving your phone just far enough away that you can't get to it in time to skip past this part. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and leave a review. And shout out to my guests for joining me, my dog for not barking, my editor Chrissy for doing her thing, and my friend Devin for letting me use his music. You can check out all of the links for the podcast, anything mentioned in today's episode, and the amazing people who helped me put on the show in the show notes. Bye!